It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Fantasy Points Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Barrett. Uh, today, we're going to be continuing our theme of, you know, breaking down the NFL draft class, primarily focusing on the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Those are the uh, fantasy eligible positions. That's our, our focus. And we have a great guest on today, my good buddy, old coworker. You may remember him from The Bachelor or just, you know, all of the the good stuff he does over at PFF. He's basically you know, the, the genius, the mastermind behind all of their draft related content, the great draft guide you have over there. That's, that's Mike Renner. Renner. How's it going, man? It's going great, Scott. It's been way too long, my man, way too long. Since we've... <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been, it's been, like you said, yeah, way, way too long. I, and I've been dying to ask you this question. It's a question I've been yeah. asking all my recent guests, uh, Renner, what's your ball hair situation looking like? Um, clean. Got it's it almost summer. Uh, I keep it tight. That's, that's see, that's the way to do it. You know, you don't you don't want your girlfriend just like, man, he's a mess down there. But I don't really know how to how to how to bring that up. Uh, so you want to be proactive, like Renner's proactive, like I'm proactive. And support for fantasy points is brought to you by Manscaped who is the the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FP2021 at manscaped.com. Renner, man. So excited to talk ball with you. First question. Now that we got the ball hair uh, thing out of the I was going to say, last time, we, last time I saw you, some girl told us she banged Greg, Greg Oden, and now we're talking about ball hair. It's something <laughs> that always, it always comes back around to it, yeah. I, I, you know, that's, that's what we do on this podcast, man, you know. Uh, um, all right, getting serious. You have Justin Fields, number three, on the official PFF big board. Yes. Just came out few days ago Trey Lance number 10 Mac Jones number 14 how egregious of a mistake would it be for San Francisco to take Mac Jones over Justin Fields at the 103 I I, I, can't, I struggle to call it egregious mistake we're, we're still projecting for for these guys um, and what they could be and obviously you're the play caller it's what you feel comfortable with uh, Kyle Shanahan there absolutely but to me, you're chasing the guy that can give you year on year on year high-level play, no matter what's surrounding him. To me, that can be Justin Fields. I, I think Mac Jones is going to be very dependent on situation, on basically offensive line, the receivers that he has there. And, yeah, you have a very good situation right now in San Francisco. And, and like, you could win a Super Bowl with Mac Jones because if he's playing, you know, top 12, 12 to 15 quarterback in the NFL range, on a rookie deal, that's very valuable, but I just don't think he's going above and beyond. And like all these knocks on Justin Fields are like, Oh, his processing 
oh, you know, the blitz. And it's like, no one's talking shit about his accuracy. No one's talking shit about his arm strength. How many quarterbacks are we say? How many quarterbacks in like NFL history have a, a cannon for an arm and are accurate? One of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football and are then suck in the NFL. It's like, how do, how do you, how do you, how does that, how does that, how does that fathom? Like, I can't, I can't see a scenario where that's the case. And so when, the, and it's not even like he's putting the ball in harm's way either, like decision-making in terms of like throwing bad picks, that's not on his tape either. So there, there's really the knocks are kind of, in my opinion, getting well overblown to where, man, like it, it would be a mistake. I struggle to call it super egregious, but in my opinion, it would be a mistake to pass on fields. Yeah. When you hear specifically those two quarterbacks brought up, it's like, oh, well, Mac Jones, his, his floor is so high. And then Justin Fields, oh, his, his ceiling is just, you know, drool inducing. Uh, how would you, you know, project those guys if you could? And like, I mean, Mac Jones, the, the talk is all about his floor. I mean, is his floor already better than even Jimmy Garoppolo? No, I, I don't think it necessarily is. And it's because we haven't seen him do anything like what he's going to do in the NFL. It's, I think, the biggest issue I see on Mac Jones's tape. Like he's maneuvering these pockets that are just unrealistic consistently that, that you're never going to see in the league. Like he is, he can go, he can slide any which way and he has space. And, and I think that's the biggest thing I worry about is that this guy's just never seen pressure. Like he sees blitzes and like carves up blitzes. Sure. But he's never seen real pressure from like a four man rush at any point in time in his Alabama career. And that's just, if you're not, if you just have that confidence, you can't simulate what it feels like to not have that confidence in your offensive line. Um, And so I I do worry about that. And it's like, yeah, his accuracy numbers are great, but it's also like anyone can hit the receivers he's hitting on about two thirds of his throws. Like they are not difficult throws that he's having to make a vast majority of the time. And when you're asked and when you see him make difficult throws, it's like, I don't think it's, it's anything special. And that's why you go down and I go back to the senior bowl, where it's a very controlled environment. I used to evaluate him and you evaluate Kellen Mond there and what they did. You have a hard time distinguishing between the two. It's like, with no one separated themselves above the other. And it's like, if you can't separate yourself, you know, cerebrally in an environment like that, and you're with an accuracy perspective, an environment like that, I'm, I'm not sure that's going to then, you know, once you get to the NFL, you're going to be separating yourself either. You just brought up this, the senior ball. Uh, so, so you were there, you were in attendance. No, we just get the all 22 from all the practices. Okay. All right. What well, you watch the all 22? Yeah, yeah. All right. So were there any running backs, wide receivers or tight ends who really stood out to you this year at the senior bowl? Yeah, there were two guys. And so running backs at the senior bowl is, is you can't tell shit. They, they don't like, they don't, uh, they don't get tackled in the practices. You're not really, that's like an impossible eval. Um, although actually I will bring up one guy who looked good as a receiver. Um, but the, the wide receivers, uh, the guys who really stood out to me, Josh Palmer from Tennessee, uh, you know, the highest grade, highest win rate in the one-on-ones of any guy who lined up on the outside primarily, uh, gave me somewhat Terry McLaurin vibes. Now he's not Terry McLaurin athletically, but just like the way that he was so much, uh, better on a full route tree than expected considering like he goes at Tennessee what he's running there's a lot of vertical stuff and he was just good at getting off the line of scrimmage has good size so he he pressed me and then Kay Johnson from South Dakota State who admittedly I hadn't watched a down of him heading into there but he 
that guy just accelerates off the line of scrimmage. I'm not sure what he actually ran as pro day, but he has that sort of acceleration and gets on guys. And then it's an undersized wide receiver, probably it's more of a slot type, but then played through contact super well, um, which you, you're going to have to do to play slot full-time in the NFL. So I thought those two guys really stood out at the wide receiver position. Tight end, I didn't think anyone really separated themselves. But then a running back I thought was good uh, was Chris Evans from Michigan. I thought he looked good as a receiver. Was really surprised, obviously. He barely even played at Michigan. Like, But, you know, me being a Notre Dame fan, I'll talk shit and say maybe Michigan's coach staff just didn't know what the hell they were doing. So uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. But, no, he, he's a interesting dude. Tested out really well athletically and, like, has very natural – hands and receiving ability that I was like, Whoa, this guy could actually, um, you know, be like a three down guy. Yeah. Former five-star recruit, I think uh 95th percentile in spork score, which is my, you know, catch all athleticism stat. Uh, let's, let's stay on the running back position. Uh, the most valuable, most valuable position in the NFL. Uh, you have Javante RB one, 12 oh, yeah. spots over the next closest running back at number 53. Is this just you saying running backs don't matter or do you really just not like this class very much? I don't like that. So it's three guys. And then it's kind of like, I don't really love the rest. Mm -hmm. I I like those top three and it's kind of a pick your poison in the top three. I think Javante is just the most well-rounded of the bunch in in that any, any sort of role you want him to play. I think he can execute. Like he's got some, he's got a little bit of speed. Definitely has got some juice to burst through the hole. Um, has ridiculous balance. Like that guy's going to break tackles at the NFL left and right. Um, and, and then I thought was good as a route runner. Hands are still a work in progress, but I think you can get there in that regard. So yeah, he was, I just think the best all around guy, whereas ETN home run threat, can't beat him. That speed, the acceleration is different. Najee Harris, power back between tackles, goal line, does that in the sleep, but I just don't see acceleration in the open field. I think he'll, his tackle breaking ability will take a hit in the NFL compared to what he was in college when he's, you know, the 23 year old playing with 19 year olds. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear you call Javante the most well-rounded back in this class. I, I get why you like him. I get why PFF likes him. The best missed tackles force per touch number uh, of any running back since you guys have been grading college prospects in 2014 he did that in 2020 I think also uh, by yards after contact per attempt it was a top three season just absolutely absurd but again you you said well-rounded and I I I concede to the running backs don't matter crowd that yes the running back position is devalued and should be devalued uh, but I think they underrate the uh, the importance of specifically pass catching running backs like an Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey. I think there mm-hmm. they really do matter. You see, you know, the best offenses, the best offensive minds in football really going out of their way to target running backs, Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, Andy Reid, et cetera, et cetera. And again, you said Javante, most well-rounded back in the class, but he didn't see a lot of uh, targets, a lot of catches, yeah. a lot of receiving production, I guess, because Michael Carter was there. Uh, I don't remember your comp. I think it was Gio Bernard. Uh, so when you talk about Javante's pass catching upside and how that compares to a Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. So that's the thing. It's like when he ran routes, I thought he got open better than those other two. Like Najee Harris has very good ball skills, but probably the best ball skills of any of the running backs in this class. Like he can make catches outside his frame, but he's also not super sudden. I mean, he's two thirty. 
he's not going to, you know, shake a linebacker and get open on the Texas route. Like I think Javante, when he did that, you saw him fully capable ETN. I'll give him that too. Like ETN really improved his receiving ability. Of course, his career made a point of doing it and like got targeted on some more vertical routes and can bring that to the table. Actually, I think he led college football, all running backs and receiving yards last year, ETN. So like mm-hmm. actually was featured in that regard and did well, but I just think Javante, like I was talking about like, well-rounded physical skill set in that like the other two are kind of one trick in what they do, like speed, ETN, power for uh, Najee, whereas Javante can win with like any which way he wants to beat you. He probably can to make guys miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so do you think, uh, you know, Najee or Etienne are more landing spot dependent where it really matters, whether it's an inside zone or outside zone scheme? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think those guys are going to be a little more, especially ETN. I think he's definitely going to be landing spot dependent. Like that guy has to be thrown out in space mm-hmm. to get his max production. So if you're going to a place where, <coughs> gosh, where would someone that just really doesn't out Tampa Bay, uh, New England doesn't really utilize their running backs like in terms of run concepts quite like that. I'm trying to think of where else, whatever, but like I, I do think ETN could has very high sort of like I said, the landing spot dependence, almost similar to like CJ Spiller from back in the day, where it was just like one year could be awesome. And then one year it's like, Oh shit, what happened to him? It's a good point. So, so from a fantasy perspective, all we really care about is like bell cow or bust. We want yeah. every down running backs who are targeted heavily in the passing game. Uh, so just sticking with those three running backs, Najee Harris, do you view him as an every down bell cow? I know he's gotten comps to Matt Forte and Steven Jackson. Yeah. hundred percent. He, that's his selling point is you're going to give him every touch you give to your running back and feel completely fine doing so. We, we know Mike Tomlin wants that in a running back and it seems yeah. like that's the guy they've locked onto. And, and it's, it's not hard to see why um, Travis Etienne though, you know, town evaluators are kind of all over the place and then they'll cite stats. Like, you know, he only had 18 carries twice or whatever, but like, okay, those were like the two only games Clemson wasn't leading by 21 yeah. points in the third quarter. Uh, do, do you think Etienne is a bell cow? Like you said, he led uh, college football running backs in receiving yards last year. I do. I also think he will be. Uh, now, to the degree that you would utilize Najee Harris, probably not. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he even made a point of it himself of wanting to be that. And that's why he got up to like 215 at his pro day, even though Maybe it was Karen's in bad weight. I think he wants to be the every down guy in an offense. Yeah, he had a consensus round two grade by the GM advisory committee and decided to stay back in school. He was like, I'm not leaving for no second round grade. And the, the one thing they told him he needed to work on was uh, you need to be better in the passing game. And, you know, yeah. he was phenomenal last year. Uh, so clearly that all that stuff's important to him. And Javante, like you said, you, you think he can be or you think he should be. He has that untapped potential. I think he can be, I think like, as a, like I said, as a route runner, he's already there. Like he gets open. He just his yeah. has some drops on tape. Like it doesn't have quite the sort of, I guess the prowess, the receipt, like the hands at this point, but mm-hmm. again, ETN didn't two years ago either. So it's something that just like reps. Right. And, and Javante is a full year younger than Travis Etienne, who's a full year younger than Najee Harris. So, so definitely some untapped potential there. Uh, another running back I think has untapped potential 
uh, and you might disagree, is Kenneth Gainwell is your RB9. This is a, you know, a guy who was a quarterback in high school, uh, didn't really play his, his true freshman season. The next year, uh, he's their bell cow. He's, you know, breaking all sorts of records. He's pushing Antonio Gibson to wide receiver. Uh, and then we don't see him last year. He opted out and you have to think, all right, so it's a one year sample, but he was awesome in that one year. And, you know, his, his only one year being a full-time running back. Ken, is there more to his game? And then Khalil Herbert is your RB six, which is really low. If you're Chris Sims really high, if you're anyone in the dynasty community. So, so why don't you tell me what separated those two running backs for you and your rankings? To me, it's the, it's the, the size aspect. Gainwell just is not going to run with power. And he's, so you're not going to give that guy, between the tackles concepts you're, you're not going to have him doing that in your offense so I, I I think he'll be throwing the ball a good deal but I just don't think you'll ever going to see 25 rushes 20 plus rushes for a guy like that Herbert on the other hand I mean only I want to say 212 as pro day but 59 212 is like that's a, that's a thick 212 it's still a very good athlete and just like the past two years his tape is excellent I think he averaged over eight yards per carry over the last two years um and yeah, it's coming at Kansas and Virginia tech, but it's like, sometimes it's like, it's not really, it's tough to fake eight yards of carry in the, in the college football. Like that, he was getting the job done also doing it as a returner as well. I had a kick return touchdown, I believe this past year, maybe got called back. Um, but real speed, I think he ran a four or five flat at his pro day and uh, like one cut type of explosive dude that uh, the only like knock on him is that he's old at this point. I really only had the one, one and a half years. Mm-hmm. So my, my next question on this, where, list, where did Sims have him though? Did Sims have him super high? Is oh, that I think why? he has him RB three, <laughs> man, that guy. I love it. Love it. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, next question is, is apparently not a question. I'm just reading it off. It just says block out indeterminate amount of time to spend gushing over Kyle Pitts. Mm. Oh, I'm glad. Gladly. Man, can I, I'll just give a spiel. He fucking, the guy is 20 years old. That's mm-hmm. the craziest thing to me. Mm-hmm. It's 20. And like, I was so, I would get people at the beginning of last year were like, oh, you know, he's a wide receiver, not a tight end. And I'm like, how, like, do you realize what most 19 and 20 year olds look like? Like, you can gain muscle at that age. When your frame looks like Kyle Pitts's does, when you have the biggest fucking wingspan of any tight end measured ever, mm-hmm. you can get bigger. And he's still going to get bigger. And it's like George Kittle, when he was 20 years old, weighed 225 pounds. He was listed at IOS. So this guy's way ahead of the curve. Uh, he really is just a different breed than any guy we've seen ever at tight end. Mel yeah. Kuyper said that too. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in full agreement. My, my hot take, I tweeted out in, I think, January or December was he's going to be in the Hall of Fame and I'm not allowed to talk about him without a paywall from this point on. Yeah. We'll, we'll give myself a pass with uh, this podcast, but yeah, just absolutely in love. You, you watch the tape, you see him making Megatron catches. You, you, you see the lateral agility. You see him being uncoverable, undefendable. Uh, just, just, you know, put legit round one cornerbacks on him and he'll find a way to win. He's like even a perfect rep from, I think it was JC Horn, you know, squeezing him to the boundary. He still just turns around in the blink of an eye, jumps up you know, three yeah. feet higher than the corner and, and comes away with it. He, he can shake you out of your shoes. 
you go up over the middle, just, oh my God. My favorite, my favorite thing to watch from, and this is going to sound super weird. And it's like a nerdy draft guy thing to say, but it's like, so watch him when he's in a three point stance and just coming off the line of scrimmage and then watch literally any other tight end in college football. Mm -hmm. And the way he just pops like, and then glides out of a stance, like three yards in like two steps. And you're just like, Holy shit. Like guys don't, guys don't move like that. Guys are stiff at six foot five, 250 pounds. It's tough to get, it's tough to get moving at that size. And he just starts flying from the snap and it's, yeah, he, he is really special dude. Yeah. Uh, the best yards per route run season in PFF colleges database, the best age adjusted yards per game season by any college tight end, I think ever, I'm pretty sure ever, the second most athletic tight end since 2000 behind only Vernon Davis. And it was kind of close. He's just like such a supernatural freak of nature. You had a great take that I actually uh, included in one of my articles. You said, if he's a wide receiver, uh, he's still an easy round one pick. Our good buddy, mutual friend, former coworker, Brett Whitefield came on this podcast said, if he's a wide receiver, he, he might still be the best wide receiver in this class. Yeah. He'd be like, he'd be in that tier of Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase. And, and that's what it takes though. It's like, that's why there's only three tight ends in the NFL. Cause there's only three tight ends that can be cornerbacks. Like there's really only three tight ends that could serviceably go out wide and still be cornerbacks. Because if you can't do that, well, on a third down, they play man coverage and a cornerback comes and guards you and you're, you're not a tight end anymore. Like you're not adding to your passing offense anymore. And that's why like teams are going the way of more slot receivers instead of tight ends, because you need more weapons in the passing game. And so to, to be that impact guy, you better be able to beat cornerbacks and Kyle Pitts. Well, we've seen it a ton already on his tape. So feel good about that. Yeah. So, so what does that do to an offense? Like what is that added dimension when you have a tight end who can line up at wide receiver, beat NFL cornerbacks, can line up in line in the slot. What, what is, what is that? We see it with Kansas city where, you know, how do you cover Tyreek and Kelsey? Mm-hmm. And it's so, so what does that mean from an X's and O's standpoint? It's so valuable. It is honestly, like I, the more I think about it, the more I think it's actually more valuable than just like having Julio Jones having that like one guy on the outside. It's like I stays on the outside and you can, you know, roll safety and effectively somewhat neutralize the tight end that can do that. You can get him. You can get him on a linebacker. Yeah, like he, he's, he can beat a cornerback if that's what you want him on. But mo- majority of the time he's going to be on a linebacker. He's going to be on a safety. He's going to be on a slot cornerback. And that's game over. That's mismatch city. Like that, that's far more of a mismatch than Julio Jones against any you know, outside cornerback. So it really is just, uh, it's, there's a reason why, you know, San Francisco's offense, Kansas city's offense, Derek Carr having career years with when they gets that guy who is a dynamic re- receiving threat at the tight end position. Yeah. That, that was the argument I made. Uh, your coworkers at PFF said like t- tight end is one of the least valuable positions in football. And, and my argument was okay, on the whole, maybe I I could see how the numbers bear that out. But if you just look at the top three, let's say, or the top five at each position, then tight end is going to be one of the most valuable positions. I thought, you know, Rob Gronkowski in his prime was more valuable than any wide receiver. You, especially you factor in the the blocking uh, 
you know, Gronk and Kittle both. Pitts, do you have any concerns with his blocking? I mean, I don't think it's that important just because of what we said with him as a receiver, but. No, again, because, well, I mean, he's, he's not going to be, not Gronk, like we're realistic expectations. That's not what he's going to be. But again, 20 years old, you've seen massive year on year improvement more than willing, like sticks his nose in it. And then again, he's got like the traits, like he's got the biggest wingspan. He has the size and the, and the arm length to be good, like be a good run blocker. And all you need to do is have defenses respect you in the run as a run blocker to provide that sort of value. Um, Yeah. And for fantasy, that's, that's really important. So like a Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey, basically wide receivers masquerading as tight ends that's more valuable than being the A plus blocker Gronkowski and Kittle are they're, they're lined up in line more often yeah. they're blocking more often uh, and, and Pitts definitely profiles as you know clearly we're, we're putting him in the Jamar Chase Jalen Waddle tier as more of that wide receiver masquerading as a tight end um, are there any other tight ends who kind of move the needle for you get you excited at all or just just no not really Fryer must interesting but he's more far more of a situational based tight end i think tommy tremble can be can be like a noah fant in an offense oh uh with his skill set um and, really? and he'll get, he was... depend, depending on landing spot if he goes to like i'm trying to think like the jets teams of the shanahan tree i think he can be productive because of uh his versatility like he's going to be used as a fullback he's going to be used as an uh, inline blocker he's going to be used all over um, and then he's got four, six speed and can actually, you know, those drag routes, those overs, like he'll be thrown to the ball a lot on that. So I do think if he goes to the right situation, he, uh, I think he can produce. Ooh, I, I like that. He's, he's not really on a lot of fantasy people's radar. He never had 20 catches in a single season, but you know, Lance line loves him, talks about his pass catching upside. So that's good to hear. And, and like the thing about him is like, when you're not, uh, ready to block at the NFL, then you don't see the field. So like Brevin Jordan, Miami mm-hmm. tight end, obviously more accomplished receiver in college, but I don't think he sees the field because I don't think he's ready as a blocker. You're just not going to put him out there. Unfortunately, right. like year one, Tommy Tremble, he's going to like, he was the highest, had the highest run blocking grade in college football last year It is a plus in that regard. So he'll see the field. He'll be on the field wherever he does go uh, year one. And he's guys young too, only 20 years old. That's a, an absolutely great point. Guys, move uh, Tommy Tremble up your board, especially if you're in a tight end premium league. Um, So I'm going to ask you the question I've been asking a lot of my guests who are smarter than me. Uh, Two-part question. One, this this wide receiver class profiles to me as a special one, but also a fairly unique one. There's a a, a number of highly regarded wide receivers with potential red flags. Devonta Smith, the weight, BMI, didn't participate at his pro day. Rondell Moore, the height, 2-2 Atwell, the weight, and the BMI. So, so how do you think the NFL is viewing these prospects? How are you viewing these prospects? Are these legitimate concerns? Why and why not? They are. I mean, size matters. It'll matter more in the NFL um, than it does in college. Like, college corners roll in, like, 180, 185, typically 190. Like, a 200-pound a college corner is massive by college standards, 200 pound NFL corners. That's the standard pretty much. So if you're not in the one nineties, you're really, you're not playing outside corner in the NFL. So, so it does matter. You'll, the physicality will show up more. I do think NFL teams are getting far better at utilizing. So there's like a ton of slot undersized type of guys featuring them 
in versatile roles where they're not just going one V one on the outside. Um, everyone's running three wide, you know, 11 personnel, the vast majority of the time. So these guys are getting uh, far more run in favorable situations or without just having to, like I said, beat press coverage. So on, on one hand, it's like uh, some of these guys are going to be full school. Some, some of these guys are going to look better in college than they did in the NFL. But I, I do still think they'll go fairly highly, especially like Devontae and Jalen. They'll go fairly highly because teams know that speed route running ability, it's, it's playing now more than ever at the receiver position. You don't necessarily need, you don't necessarily need to be 6'3", 220, 215 anymore to really be, you know, a true thousand yard receiver in an offense. I, I think you just kind of touched on uh, one of the, or my follow-up point, which is that, yeah, this, this class is great, but it's also a lot of slot predominant wide yeah. receivers in this class. Waddle, Tony, Elijah, Atwell, Amari, Rondale, Amon Ra, you know, we can kind of bicker yeah. on what is Elijah's upside outside. Uh, but I think for the most part, it's a great class, but a lot of slots are guys who at least were in the slot in college. And, you know, that makes it a trickier eval just because, you know, the slot corners in college look a lot different than slot corners in the NFL, for instance. Um, but, but what do you take this to mean? Uh, does this complicate your evaluation? Are you pushing guys down? I know you have Rashad Bateman higher than Elijah, and one thing, Elijah, you know, predominant slot, whereas, you know, Bateman led the entire class in yards per route run from the outside. So, so how important is that? How much does that matter and, and why? It still matters because you still got to see the field. Like uh, there still are times where you got two wide receiver sets and you're, if, if Elijah Moore, if they don't feel, if they think he's just a slot, he's not going to be on the field. Um, and so if you're not on the field, you're not bringing value to the table. So. I, I do still, you got to lean towards the guys who have shown it on the outside. And now I think Elijah Moore can, that's why I'm probably higher on him than um, like the consensus boards where I think it's consensus board had him 35th and he's 22nd on the PFF draft board um, is because I think he can do it, but it's like the size profile. It's rare guys in that mold. You got like Tyreek Hill, Tyler Lockett, Manuel Sanders, um, Brandon Cook. See, it's about like your. That's about it for guys in that size, sort of size profile that are really every down playing on the outside type of wide receiver. So, so it is rare, but only a handful of guys can do it. And to do it, you've got to be a special athlete, which Elijah is. But definitely putting those guys above guys like Rondale Moore, who five seven is not holding up on the outside. I don't really care who you are. Kadarius Tony, who just as a route runner was not didn't do anything that was you know wouldn't necessarily translate immediately to the outside. So definitely covering those guys higher. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Uh, for fantasy, you know, it's, it's, it's trickier because we do know the NFL devalues slot wide receivers. So they're probably not going to get drafted as highly, but, but, it, but just in terms of like production, especially PPR production, it might not matter as much. Elijah Moore to me profiles, for instance, as a PPR cheat coach in terms of catching the ball, 10.3 catches per game last year. Then he also led the class and deep receiving yards per game. He has that speed where he can bring a vertical element like a Tyler Lockett, like an early career T.Y. Hilton. So, so maybe not too worried about that, but I, I could see that influencing draft capital. Uh, Mike, you, you, you called Jamar Chase the wide receiver one back in February. That's still true for you guys today, but you have Devonta Smith and then Waddle 
ranked directly behind him, six, seven, eight in your big board. How close is it between them? Is it, like you said, just that one big tier or, you know, Jamar Chase is the next AJ Green, Julio Jones? It's super close. Uh, Chase, you just feel the most confident with his uh, basically physical profile. The other two, it's like, what's Devontae's six foot, 166, John Waddle, 5'10, 183. That's, it's unique. You know, that's not, that's not what the guys putting up consistent 1200 yard seasons look like. They look like Jamar Chase. They don't look like Tobias Smith, John Waddle. So that's really all it is at this point is the physical profile. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of on-field production, they're just splitting hairs. They were, they were all absurd. Like Waddle right. on a per opportunity basis is like one of the best college football history, <laughs> you know, just yeah. in terms of like how much he produced given how often he was on the football field was far and away led the class in yards per route run by like a half yard. So, right. But at the uh, same time, I mean, he was basically their second string wide receiver. He was, he was playing behind yeah. Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. Mm-hmm. Is that a concern? Um, a little, I think it's more because they always saw him as the slot mm-hmm. in that offense. And, and I think that's going to be primarily his role in the NFL. And it's like, Jerry Judy was a fucking damn good receiver. So yeah. Jerry Judy is the, was the slot there before him. And so that's who is, it wasn't like he was competing for Henry Ruggs for playing time. He was competing with Jerry Judy. And it's like, there's no shame in not being able to usurp Jerry Judy. Right. And just, to, just to remind everyone, Jerry Judy, absolutely love him. He's going to be one of our must draft players this year. Greg Cassell last year said he was far and away the best wide receiver in the class. And it was a loaded class comped him to OBJ and Antonio Brown, uh, you know, maybe playing out of position with KJ Hamler on the side, pushing him outside, you know, quarterback didn't really do him any, any favors there, but that you part know, too. we, we love some uh, Jerry Judy. Um, all right. So I'm going to ask the, the question that everyone wants me to ask, which is just, you know, who are some of your favorite sleepers in this class? You brought up Palmer, you brought up Kay Johnson, who are some guys who, you know, dynasty Twitter might not be on, but you think, Hey, they could sneak into round round three, you know, day two. And, and, you know, there's, there, there's a lot to like with their game. Ooh, that one's tough. I don't have any great ones this year. Yeah. Um, you, you had Deontay Johnson, which was an all time great one. I don't got any Deontay Johnson's this year. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of who I would even like Palmer's the one who I'm like, I think he goes in the third round. I think he goes higher than people expect, you know, fewer than 500, yards in his career high season, but I still think he goes fairly highly. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think even after that, there's Jaylen no one Darter, Dax Milne. They were all yeah, Jalen Darden and Dax Milne are both guys I'm higher on, but not, not as high as like Deontay Johnson though. Even still like Deontay, I thought could win on the outside. Darden's going to be a slot receiver in mm-hmm. the NFL. He is dynamic as hell. Like his pro day test was awesome. I think he put up an absurd cone and shuttle. Like he's a, He's just a skinnier version of Rondale Moore, basically, like in terms of just movement skills. They're very similar. Um, Rondale's just jacked as hell comparatively. Um, but yeah, I, I think Darden's going to be like a fourth rounder that he'll get touches as like a gadget player. He'll, if, he, if he can get something in the right role, he can get like the Cole Hardman type touches. Here, here's a cool stat for Jalen Darden fans. Uh, last year, he averaged two point. One one receiving touchdowns per game. That's the most by any FBS wide receiver since at least 2000 on the top six list. Stedman Bailey, Devonte Adams, Devonta Smith, Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Crabtree. Uh, 
don't really love them, but I mean, if you like them, I'm going to push them up my board. Usually kind of just uh, fade most of the small school wide receivers, but there are some good ones. Like you said, Kay Johnson, uh, Dwayne Eskridge. Um, all right. We're, we're a little short on time because I know you have to run. And then once this podcast ends, I, I want to work you for sources. Uh, so we'll, we'll go right to the listener questions uh, from C Sports Bros. Who is your daddy and what does he do? I think that guy listens to the PFF podcast where I always, I, I asked my dad about, so my dad was an orthopedic surgeon and that's, mm. so that's what he does. And I ask him anytime there's like an injury guy comes up, I, I, he gives me the full lowdown on what it all means. And so <laughs> I always, great. I always bring him up and it's a running joke now that I always bring him up. That's great. All right. Uh, I, I have one for you. What, what is your all time favorite pickup line? And then oh. because you're, you're such a beautiful man, was it, was it a pickup line you said or one that uh, a, a supermodel said to you? <laughs> so I actually, I, I met one of my girlfriends DM me on Twitter or on, on Instagram, excuse me. Oh. That, that, so I have gotten pickup lines said to me. I, I honestly, I don't use pickup lines. If you use pickup lines, it's just like, it's. When you look like Mike Renner, you don't need to use pickup lines. I was going to say what I, every single time, this is going to sound bad. I just say, hi, I'm Mike. You can walk up to someone and say, hi, I'm Mike. It works. It works for me. You're such an asshole. I know. <laughs> but it, it does. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll have to try that one day. Hi, hi, I'm yeah, Mike. Hi, I'm Mike. Go no, for just, it. Just, just kidding. I have a girlfriend uh, who listens to all my shows. Um, all right. Well, man, thank you so much. Yep. This was absolutely awesome. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Maybe we'll get you on again after the, the draft or you know, deeper into the offseason. Uh, and now I'm going to try and work you for sources. So we're going to stop recording. Oh, Mike, uh, I always forget to do this. W- where can the people find you? What do, what do you want to plug? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. Um, obviously, go check out a draft guide. I highly recommend it. I wrote them. So <laughs> I obviously think they're great. Uh, but if you go, any subscription gets one at PFF. And if you use code draft 30, get 30% off. Um, and then we're going to have a draft show, draft night, uh, streaming, I mean, all three days of the draft streaming on our website, on Yahoo, actually, uh, and on our Twitter and YouTube. Uh, you can find it any of those places. And like I said, all three days, full coverage. We'll see if I fall asleep by day three. I might, I might have to take some uppers at some point, but we'll see. I, what, what is your life like? Were you, have you just been like watching tape for 14 hours a day for the past six months? <laughs> well, thankfully, once the guide ended, I was kind of like, it's kind of been chill after that. So like 300 guys takes a butt ton of time to get through. Uh, and so those were more of grinds back like a month ago, I was grinding honestly more than I am now in terms of just like how long I was working each day. But now it's just like content, just talking about these guys 24 seven on radios and podcasts and whatnot. Love it. All right. Thanks again, Mike. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.